Hello and welcome to Quiz Time India. This week on the show we have Yogesh Tolani. As an analyst, this is a classic test and control scenario. So the year was 1846, and we are talking about a doctor called. As its representation on a poster that was designed by that is James. a superb and brilliant wow. crack. Well done, Aditya. So put on your thinking caps and fasten your seat belts. The show is about to begin. Welcome to Quiz Time India, India's first quizzing and trivia podcast. Did you know 7up the cold drink was originally called Bib Label Lithiated Lemon Lime Soda? Or did you know the Bank of America was originally called the Bank of Italy? If you like such fizzy and dizzy facts, you have come to the right place, the right podcast, Quiz Time India. Let us get on to some quizzing. First of all, there has been a pending audience question. Adil Aziz was on the show last week, and this was his question: What did Outlook magazine humorously describe as the biggest sex change operation in independent India? I'm um, repeating: What did Outlook magazine humorously describe as the biggest sex change operation in independent India? And the correct answer was. the renaming of victoria terminus in mumbai to cst chhatrapati shivaji terminus continuing with the quizzing bit this week on the show we have yogesh tolani yogesh was born and brought up in bombay he works in the analytic space and believes that you need a mix of logical and empirical skills to solve a problem he's passionate about tabletop games indian independent music and of course quizzing Alongside Adil from the previous episode and a few others, he started Quiz Pro Quo back in May 2020 to promote quizzing among those who usually don't quiz. The series has been running every week and will continue to entertain, encourage and enlighten for many years to come. And on that note, welcome to Quiz Time India. Hello Yogesh, welcome to Quiz Time India. Thank you so much for taking out the time on joining us on the podcast it is uh, an honor and i'm pretty sure it'll be a pleasure how are you doing man hey aditya thank you so much for having me absolutely thrilled to be here and yeah absolutely the pleasure is all mine awesome so yogesh we'll get right into it and for the benefit of our listeners and for you i'll just quickly rattle off all the rules the rules are quite simple actually there isn't much to it Uh, we are quizzing we are definitely quizzing but it is not competitive uh, it's just you and me we both have a set of questions ready with us and we both take turns asking each other these questions through the questions if ever the other person needs any hints we can provide as many hints as possible and the entire idea of this exercise of this episode of the show is that by the end of this episode we both get to learn some new things some cool things and also with us of course the audience also gets to learn some new things so is that clear yep absolutely awesome so let me start out with the first question as is the tradition your first question is sort of relevant to our present day scenario shall i start sure yeah Okay so this is a story of a person 
whose ideas could have spared a lot of lives but didn't. So the year was 1846 and we are talking about a doctor called Ignaz. Ignaz Semmelweis. So I-G-N-A-Z. Semmelweis is S-E-M-M-E-L-W-E-I-S. So as I said, this was around 1846. So medicine as a profession had started taking a shape with which we are familiar in today's terms. So not many people believe that uh, bad things or diseases happen because of evil spirits and bad omen. And science was being actually used to figure out why diseases are happening. So there was research happening and uh, people were figuring out anatomy and autopsies were being done. So you can say the medical field as we know it is foundations of sorts. At least the modern medicine is foundations of sorts had been laid down and people were working on it. And one of the people who was working on it was Ignace. Semmelweis. Now, the main work he was doing was related to finding the reason behind a large number of deaths of women in maternity wards due to childbed fever. So back then, a lot of women who went under labor who were in these wards ended up not making it. And this is what Ignace's main line of work was. He sat down to find out why. He compared two maternity wards and concluded that the one which had all male doctors and students as the staff recorded five times high mortality rate compared to the one which was staffed by the regular midwives. So he basically took two sets. One was the regular midwives and then there was another set which was led by all male doctors and students and the one which was led by the all male doctors and students had a five-time higher mortality rate. So more women were dying in that set. He tried finding various reasons why could this be the case. And, well, basically he couldn't find any. Until one day, a pathologist who was working with Ignace fell ill and died too. And it was when Ignace conducted an autopsy on the pathologist, he found out that the pathologist that he was working with died from the same thing as those women in the maternity wards. So he came up with a hypothesis. He thought the reason why these male doctors and students faced so many deaths in their wards was because these doctors were also doing a lot of autopsies and they were playing around with a lot of cadavers and there were different materials and particles that they were coming across. He said, because of something, something that we could possibly do, maybe we could bring down the mortality rate. And hence, he started his hypothesis and based on his hypothesis, he came up with the solution, which of course, the doctors laughed at him. They didn't want to do this extra chore. But what he suggested actually seemed to work. Even though he made quite a few enemies and lost his job, what he introduced holds great importance. In fact, even in today's world, what was it that Ignaz Semmelweis came up with? Or what did he recommend to save all these deaths that were happening in the maternity wards? I love the story. As a story, it's a great story as well. Yeah. And um, it appeals to me as an analyst because this is a classic test and control scenario in which you have two groups which ideally should be doing the same thing. But mm -hmm. one is an experiment group and the other is you know, the regular group. Yes. You said that the 
differences between the two mm-hmm. were that the male doctors were performing autopsies and trying to diagnose why patients had died is that the case yes they were doing a lot of autopsies and they were doing other procedures also when they were tending to this uh, maternity ward apart from it they were doing some other things as i said autopsies and other intrusive surgeries and things like that as compared to the midwives who are only doing the yeah. maternity ward work yes so my first guess then is that because the maternity or the, the midwives were only tending to the uh, maternity ward mm-hmm. they did not have as much contact with any contagious you know diseases yes. or infections or bacteria great line of uh, thought which the male yeah the male doctors would have had that yes uh, especially if they were doing autopsies on patients who had died so they mm. were likely to like the patients who had died obviously died from some disease and by doing autopsies they were probably coming into more contact with those viruses and bacteria mm absolutely correct that is exactly pretty much what ignace's uh, line of thought was now go further so what did he do after this so i'm guessing that you see you said this is in the 18th century sometime yeah 1846 um then okay i assume then that he recommended that the doctors you know have scrubs and gloves and masks and you know reuse not reusable but uh, you know one use use and throw masks and gloves and scrubs uh, which after a procedure you would have to change and uh, you know scrub down and then go back in for the next one that is a good guess that's a great guess you are definitely in the correct we can say the line of uh, answering if that's the phrase but you are on the right track is what i'll say but slightly away from the answer in the ballpark definitely really close did he recommend that the areas where the patients were be sanitized again very close so you can see some covid similarities in here in fact when uh, the pandemic began and on 20th march 2020 he was remembered by a google doodle which was published in accordance with you know because of the pandemic which had happened so you are on the right track yes uh, it is about some sort of sanitation and you mentioned scrubs in the right track then you mentioned sanitizing the place in the right track but there was something else that he suggested which caught on along the same line of thought i'm assuming that he just said that you have to wash your hands and face and generally with soap and recommended that 20 second for hand wash those guidelines so ignas believed that these doctors when they were treating all these uh, path autopsies they were doing and they would playing around with all these cadavers he thought that there would be a smell from these cadavers on their hands and he asked them to wash their hand with chlorine so that they could remove the smell but eventually they found out that the real benefit lied in actually washing hands and the doctors really earlier did not like it they were like he's just making us do extra work now we have to sit and wash our hands after every patient that we see that is not feasible that is not how we work and he got fired but people of course some people went on with it and slowly they realized that that is the reason why so many deaths were happening in the maternity wards because people were not washing their hands eventually washing hands became a common practice and uh, well in the last 
one year it's become way more common than common if that is something that i can call it but yes that is the correct answer well done absolutely correct ignas semmelweis is the first a medical professional or the doctor who recommended washing hands regularly for not getting any infection and he passed away as i said he was around in 1846 so back then this was new knowledge but now of course it is everywhere you go you will see probably wash your hands written somewhere on the wall so well done that is the correct answer yogesh you were absolutely correct well done <laughs> thank you and it was a great question now it's your turn to ask me a question and i'm quite looking forward to this one all right okay so my question for you is on the origin of a two word term let's call it xy fair enough now the origin might be disputed in a sense but the most common association is with a businessman from new york named samuel wilson okay keep the mm-hmm. location and the name in mind now in 1812 so you know before edelweiss or samuelweiss in a war in 1812 uh, sam wilson supplied barrels of meat mm-hmm. now those barrels of beef were stamped with two letters to indicate that they were government property okay now those two letters rather than indicating government property gave rise to the phrase xy because they started with the same letters right so the same initials as the phrase hmm now you would have seen xy across pop culture but most commonly you would have seen xy as its representation on a poster that was designed by James Montgomery Flagg okay so identify this two word uh, term or yeah okay so uh, mr wilson is from america right that is right 1812 is the approximate timeline you mentioned and then there was this food supply basically yeah beef supply like there was basically meant for food for the war uh, people who were going on to the frontiers or whatever right yeah yeah for the soldiers and it was stamped two letters and then it caught on and it became yeah. something else yeah is what you said and that thing is relevant in pop culture also uh, just clarification so whatever the two letters were is it the same letter is it alliterative no it is it might it might not be okay oh i thought like maybe like a easter egg or something like no. that it might have happened but of so course the, the uh, two letters yeah? indicated that it was it belonged like those barrels belonged to the government oh wait 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 his name is uh, what was his name again his name was samuel wilson is this the origin of uncle sam that is a superb and brilliant wow. crack well done aditya <laughs> that was a fluke that was a total fluke i can see that now now that i know it's uncle sam <laughs> i can see it happening Oh, and the poster, Uncle Sam wants you to join the army. That poster you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. So Sam Wilson uh-huh. was from New York in America, of course, and so he stamped the barrels with U.S. to indicate that it was U.S. property. But uh-huh. you know, because the soldiers saw U.S., they said that okay, this food is being supplied by this you know godfather of sorts. We'll call him Uncle Sam, and hence was born. Uncle Sam and then the poster came in Uncle Sam wants you to yeah. join the army and things like that. Exactly. 
Thank you so much. Today I learned. America is always referred to as Uncle Sam and I never sort of questioned why this Uncle Sam came into the picture or who that was. T-I-L. Yeah. Today I learned. So this came about, I mean, <laughs> I came up with this question because uh, I was hosting a quiz called the Easy Quiz. Mm-hmm. Uh, the E to Z quiz. So there were 22 questions in that, each one starting with the subsequent letter of the alphabet. Uh-huh. And I was just trying to find something with you and just came across Uncle Sam's origin. That is great. And with that, we move on to the next question. Admittedly, this next question is, uh, there's not much here to crack, but it is one of those things that I found extremely, uh, well, what do I say? It's frivolous. It is amazing. It is beautiful in a way. And I thought I'll just share it with you and the audience in form of a question. So, of course, you would have heard of the Nobel Prize. Yeah. Now, there is something called as the IG Nobel Prize, basically awarded in the same categories as Nobel Prize. And there are some more categories also on the side. So the idea is IG Nobel, it plays, uh, if you read it quickly, it's ignoble, which means, of course, not noble. And uh, their motto or their aim is to honor achievements that at first make people laugh and then make them think. So these are just some examples. The 2002 Ig Nobel Prize for Mathematics was presented to K.P. Kumar and G. Nirmalan for estimation of the total surface area in Indian elephants. As you can see, there is no point of this study, like how much total surface area we have in elephants. Uh, but that is the research these two did, and hence they got an Ig Nobel Prize in 2002. In 2001, the year before, the Ig Nobel Public Health Prize was awarded to Chitranjan Andrade and B.S. Srihari for their probing discovery that nose-picking is a common activity among adolescents. So this gives you a vibe of what level of research is being done or what playing field are we at. Here comes your question, alright? The Ig Nobel Prize for 2020 was jointly awarded to the governments of India and Pakistan. This was in the news back then. This must have happened in uh, 2018, but the award was given in 2020 jointly to the Indian and Pakistani governments. You have to tell me what was the reason behind India and Pakistan together being given this Ig Nobel Peace Prize? Hmm. You said Peace Prize, right? Yes. 2020, they got the award. 2018 is when something happened which was so bizarre and I said brilliant and beautiful that the Ig Nobel Prize, Peace Prize went to India-Pakistan. What did India-Pakistan do in 2018? So I'm assuming that it was not any, you know, formal treaty or anything serious in the, in, in terms of nuclear disarmament or any of that stuff, right? <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Is this somehow connected to the world of sports? No, not at all. Is this then does this have a Bollywood connection or you know the Pakistani film industry connection? <laughs> not even that. Let you have a couple of guesses because there is nothing here you can play with, <laughs> as I said earlier. But it's just too amazing that uh, this thing has happened. I'm somehow thinking of the uh, marriage between uh, Sanya Mirza and uh, Akhtar. And I'm just thinking that did they have their first kid oh, or something I... at the time? Sure, Malik. No, no, it's not that. Uh, you know what? 
India Pakistan have won an ignoble peace prize earlier also in 1998 uh, when of course if you remember India and Pakistan uh, when they gave out the award they gave out the award to Atal Bihari Vajpayee and Nawaz Sharif for and this is in inverted commas aggressively peaceful detonations of atomic bombs so this is not the first time we've won it but yeah 2020 was not even at this level it was something even more uh, should i say childish i'll give you a couple of more tries otherwise i'll just give out the answer because it's just too vague otherwise can you give me a hint in what field or area or aspect it will be oh so basically uh, the pakistani embassy in delhi said they faced harassment and because of that the pakistanis retaliated and the indian embassy in pakistan also faced that kind of harassment so it went on for a while until they had to be brought to an end hmm did they somehow not get the food which they were requesting for or had ordered and hence <laughs> no <laughs> should i give out the answer i think you're just giving all these logical answers but these guys are beyond it sure <laughs> yeah absolutely so what the indians did the pakistani embassy was there at night they would go and ring the bell and run away <laughs> and it kept happening for a long time so the pakistani high commissioner they he relayed it to pakistan so that's what pakistan ended up doing they went to the indian high commissioner's embassy and they rang the bell in the middle of the night woke up everyone and they oh, ran God. away and this went on for a while until you know i don't know how sense prevailed in between all of this but it is commemorated forever with the ignobel peace prize for 2020 for both india and pakistan for uh, they rang each other's doorbells in the middle of the night and then ran away before anyone had a, had a chance to answer the door so that is the question and that is the answer i'm sorry there was much to play around with with but i thought it was just too interesting to ignore you hear about these prank wars between Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman or George Clooney and Brad Pitt but it's just oh, yeah. this is another level <laughs> nuclear warheads are there there are like 150 crore people on each side of the border everyone's lives are being on the line and what are these guys doing ringing the doorbell in the middle of the night and running away at least there's some friendliness between the two <laughs> well that's one way of looking at it all right now it's your turn to ask the question go on Have you ever wondered why is everyone and their nana nani mama kaka mummy papa everyone is watching the same shows one month it is money heist another month it is GOT then comes MasterChef then Bridgerton the crown and it keeps going on see this is because OTT platforms want you to watch the same shows business hub boss discontent is a email newsletter that attempts at breaking this clutter Handpicked shows, movies, music, podcasts, and reading recommendations just for you for free, straight to your inbox. Subscribe to Discontent. Link in bio. All right. So I'll give you two theories. It's a slightly long story. Okay. So I'll mm-hmm. give you two theories about the origin of a particular rhyme or song. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the first. is that x and y are said to represent king louis the 16th and his wife queen mary antoinette mm-hmm. okay so the couple king louis and queen mary were said to be greedy and they carelessly spent all of their money they invested their life into climbing the social ladder and mm-hmm. so because of that king louis the 16th was beheaded in 1793 
and then uh, you know queen mary was beheaded around 10 minutes after her husband's death okay so that's the first theory oh okay now the second theory mm. is to do with king charles the 1st now he wanted to raise more money and you know to do that he proposed that we raise the tax on half pint measures mm-hmm. now half pint measures in that time were called x now his parliament said no mm-hmm. we don't want to raise taxes on half pints so he ingeniously came up with the solution to reduce the volume of a half pint now in those days a half pint if you look at a beer glass there is a symbol of a crown mm-hmm. somewhere towards the top of it and that is that marks the measure of the pint so what he said is let's just take that crown down a notch mm-hmm. and hence the volume of a pint will decrease people will buy more beer and hence we'll get more sales and more taxes so he lowered the crown a notch mm-hmm. managed to get more taxes and never never ever had to raise the percentage of tax so the same principle was then applied to the quarter pint which is called y mm-hmm. so these are two theories as to what x and y are and x and y is the name of a song or a rhyme that we all and we definitely all heard so i heard the first story and i could see some uh, i could i could see some clues in there the second one threw me off to be honest so you said it was uh, what was the name of the king again so the first one was king louis and queen mary yeah so i think that sounds like a jack and jill kind of a thing and you also mentioned that was climbing a social ladder so went up the hill could be a allusion to that and uh, the king was killed and then jill came tumbling after as you said uh, she died a few minutes after him but the second story kind of made me a bit like threw me off so is the second story also about the same rhyme or is it a different rhyme i'm confused if it is it is and i'll stop you there that is the perfect right answer to it it this is jack and jill in fact there are several theories as to why mm-hmm. as to how jack and jill you know what the whole rhyme is about so one of them is about king louis and queen mary the other one is says that on a pint of beer the crown indicates the pint measure mm-hmm. and so king charles lowered the crown so lowered ah, the crown okay and then after that the jill was the quarter pint and so the jill followed sweet they did the same thing for the jill aha uh-huh. that is quite interesting uh, you know what recently itself i was reading up about these back stories of these poems and i missed this one i got uh, baba black sheep so uh, the Black story Seeds. there is that uh, there was uh, yeah edward the first also known as edward longshanks and hammer of the scots he had uh, basically it was a fabric tax a third of the tax went to the state third went to the clergy and the rest of the material belonged to the farmer which is why the kid down the lane never got any and there was another one which was a uh, ringa ringo rosy uh, ringa ringo roses yeah. or ring around the rosy so that was about the 1665 great plague of london and the rosy which is being or the rose which is being spoken about it was this um, bad odorous rash that used to develop on the skin of these uh, sufferers of this bubonic plague and the stench of which was so bad they had to conceal it with a pocket full of posies which i'm assuming of some toss of flowers and it is said this plague killed 15% of britain's population yeah hence in the last line it says we all fall down and the down is sort of means dead so we all fall down dead and uh, there are other ones also there was uh, rockaby baby 
which was about the revolution and how baby meant king james the second so quite surprising and nasty history to all these rhymes that we've been reading and maybe not so much meant for kids if you know the back stories behind them how people are being beheaded and how plagues are killing 15% of populations i don't think our parents would have allowed us to read those things super all all really nice stories and all yeah. of them make for great questions as well absolutely it's the bread and butter for a quiz master right once you get into one topic and then it just snowballs into five six questions all right so shall i move to the next question by all means yes hey you you seem like a cricket fan of course you know that india is playing sri lanka right now but did you know that england introduced the 100 this week or that the west indies are about to take on pakistan and did you know that next week australia will be taking on bangladesh and then india would be taking on england yeah and this is just one week in the men's game a bit too much right well to make things simple follow the game on cricket quota a newsletter for the desi cricket fan cricket matches stories memes anniversaries of great games and performances all of it for free straight to your inbox cricketquota.substack.com Okay so the next question is a recent question that a recent thing that I came to know about and uh, this was uh, given to us uh, by Vinayak Vinayak also sets uh, questions for the podcast so Vinayak gave me this question and it is something let me tell you just the basic idea of it it is something which is quite obvious which is quite straightforward but in all my years of existence i never made the relation so we go back to ancient rome here in contrast to almost every other culture on the planet the romans had a 10 month calendar this is before julius caesar quite early romans had a 10 month calendar but like every other culture on the planet their new year started in the month of spring so if you see uh, basically lunar calendars in india they basically the new years coincide with spring and that is what happened in this ancient rome they said the year will start in spring and the year will only have 10 months now it wasn't like these 10 months were longer to cover for the full length of the year they were just normal 30 31 day periods like how we have today so what happened to the two months which were lost basically the romans believed the winter was a monthless season nothing much happened during that time it was snow and there was not much vegetation so what they did they just added a buffer period of about 50 days at the end of the year each year over time people sort of grew into this habit of a buffer period after the end of year until the next year and what they did they divided this buffer period into two periods or two semi periods one was named janus and the other was named february now they both were pseudo months not full fledged months signifying that the year would end soon it's time for a change which is also represented by the fact that janus the god janus is double headed so it is sort of saying that uh, janus can see into the future and into the past so into the present and into the past at the same time and the fact that the year sort of starts with janus it kind of made sense and he's also the roman god of doorways beginnings and change hmm. so what happened in around 450 bc someone decided to make janus and february 
the first and second months of the year. All right. Because as I said, Janus was supposed to be the god of beginnings. So they were like, you know what? Since we already have this month after Janus, let's just start the year with this. Are you following so far? Yep. Yep. Now, because of this, first there was this buffer period. Then they made this buffer period as Janua, February, which of course became January, February. Because of these two months, then they decided, you know what? Let's just start with the buffer period itself. So they started with January. Because of all of this, okay. something changed. Something became not quite right as it was earlier. Let me just give you this much hint right now. Let's see what do you have to make. Because they added two months in the calendar before the spring, January and February, something changed in the calendar. Something wasn't quite right. You have to tell me what happened when they added these two months. So you said that they had ten months earlier. Yes. And then over time, they said, "Okay, let's have a buffer period. Then let's have divide that buffer period into two. Let's call those after Janus and February." Hmm. I'm assuming because of that, then they had the complete twelve months of the year. Hmm. And so, if we're talking about the twelve months of the year, then they shifted from yeah counting system or a number system with the base ten to the decimal or the dodecagonal system with the base twelve. Huh? I thought you were on the right track, but somewhere I think you might have deviated. Go on. I'm assuming that at a similar level, hmm? the hours of the day were also divided. Only in multiples of ten, and or in you know, totally ten hours, and then they made that twelve. Oh no 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 no! Come back, come backwards, come back, come back, come back. Haha. <laughs> okay. You almost had the answer there somewhere, but you deviated to a different uh, tangent. So ten month period, ten months in a year, and a buffer period. Slowly, the buffer period also became months, and we had a twelve month year, which we know to this day also. Hmm. but because of this something changed so you're saying that there was something that came about because of this is the origin of some practice or some nomenclature sort of yes 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 that's a very apt word to use so what could it be could be you're at a point where i don't think i can give you any hint without revealing the answer so you that close hmm. yes ah <laughs> uh, I can see the answer. It's there, but to reach for it, it's just out of grasp. Can you just repeat the sequence again? There were so ten uh, months in a year. Yeah. Starting with spring, just like everyone else starts with spring. Then what they did was they added a buffer period, which was of around fifty days, because each month was thirty thirty one as we have today. But of course, because they had ten months, so there was a like. There was nothing for two months, which was basically winters, and they said winter is a monthless season. Yeah. And with time, people started calling this buffer period also into months, and they eventually became months. And now, because they had named this buffer period after Janus, I'm assuming, and Janus was the god of beginnings, so they said, you know what? Let's just start with Janus's month. And after that, the calendar took shape as we know it today, basically, a 12-month calendar starting with. Janus's month, January. Now, because they moved the calendar from spring to January and made it a twelve-month thing, some things changed in the calendar. 
something about the calendar was quite off and it is off even till this date oh is this like a leap year that was introduced no as in like to you have to have the 365 days in the year but <laughs> they didn't have those 365 days they had only like 30 into 30 or 31 into 10 and, and so 300 days plus then you said that they added 50 odd days there so yeah that still doesn't account for 365 i'm not sure how they calculated the leap year thing to be honest at this moment i'm not hmm. really aware of it is this the story of why february has 28 days no not even that you were on the right track with the nomenclature bit with the nomenclature so then is this like the definition of month like the word month means unwelth no in some way no it doesn't no is it a word itself that i'm looking for yes four in fact four words sqr is the roman uh, i don't know the full form but it's the roman motif what is that like a coat of arms of sorts yeah 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 no i don't think so it's, a, it's to do with that should i give out the answer Sure. Yeah, I really don't have a better guess right now. We'll make you get to the answer. So, if there are two points and something connects the two points, it's a line. If there are three points, what do we call it? The triangle. Then go on for four quadrangle. For five, the pentagon, hexagon, septagon, octagon. One second. One second. One second. What? Septagon. Septagon. Octagon. Heptagon. Then octagon. Okay. Then. Nonagon, then decagon. Okay, so there are these Latin prefixes in front, right? Deca, yeah. December becomes ten. Oh, so December is ten, but it's actually the twelfth month. Twelfth month of the ah, year. Ha, ha. November is the ninth, ninth month, but it is the eleventh month. September becomes from seven to ninth, mm. and October, oct octopus. It is supposed to be the eighth month, but it became the tenth month of the year. Uh, and all of this happened because they added January and February in between the calendar. Oh, I am hitting myself right now. This is <laughs> uh, staring right in the face. The fifth month was called Quintilis. Yeah. But then came Julius, and the sixth month was called Sextilis, and then came Caesar Augustus, and he took over that. Yeah. So Julius Caesar Augustus took July and August. and after that they just took september october november december and pushed them forward by 2 months and hence the calendar just went loco of sauce ah oh, man which is why december is the 12th month and not the 10th month so that was the basic idea of it also as i said this was bc this was before christ so jesus wasn't born yet so the romans when they were calculating i mean even in the early days of christ or basically before christ So the Romans had their own way of calculating what year it was. Yeah. So there had to be some reference point, right? Uh, and since Jesus wasn't born, so the, what Romans did instead of using BC, they used AUC, which is uh, roughly translates to well, it says ab urbi condita, which means yeah. from the founding of the city. So the Romans calculated the year from the year in which Rome was founded. So they just meant if it's hundred, that means hundred years since Rome was founded. and yeah that was the story of the roman calendar well done on that yeah. you there you there as <laughs> <laughs> uh, a superb question and, and yeah i really wish i'd cracked it <laughs> and this is something that we know ever since we were children like september october november december right we all know the months and those uh, october oct 
the prefixes are right there. I mean, we have studied all of this in school and whatnot. But somehow I never made the correlation that October is not the 8th month, it's the 10th month of the year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so now it's your turn to ask me a question. All right, all right. So, you know, because you made me do some math, yes, I will ask you a question from a math quiz which I hosted. Lovely. And the way that I think about quizzes, I don't say that, okay, if we have a math quiz, we're only going to ask mathematical problems. It's mm. anything that mathematics has contributed to or has been derived from that field. Fair enough. So, I'm talking about 1956. I'm talking about a chemist named Frederick J. Bauer. And his task was to fix consumer complaints of broken, oily and stale products. So, he spent two years developing a consistent shape for this particular product as well as the container in which the product fits. Mm -hmm. And then a chap named Gene Wolfe, who you might or might not have heard of. Gene Wolfe is a mechanical engineer and he was also a sci-fi author. He wrote a bunch of sci-fi books. He developed the machine that manufactured these products. Now, the product itself has a very consistent shape. Mm -hmm. That shape is mathematically known as a hyperbolic paraboloid. Mm -hmm. You studied math, then you have some idea of what a parabola and a hyperbola are. And so this shape is a combination of a hyperbola and a parabola called a hyperbolic paraboloid. So the designers reportedly used a bunch of supercomputers to ensure that the aerodynamics would keep these products in place while they were being packaged and that they would not break when they were stacked on top of each other. Mm. So what product am I talking about that was designed by Frederick J. Bar? Please tell me something. What's Frederick uh, J. Bauer you mentioned, right? Frederick J. Bauer. Yeah, yeah. Was he buried in the same product? Was he buried in the same product? That is, uh, uh, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. In the box? He was. Was he cremated in the same box that he created? I think so. Interesting story there. And I was going to bring that up in, as a follow-up fact. But now that you've said it, mm. yes, he was in fact not buried. He was cremated and his ashes were stored in the same box of the product that he designed. And he came up with the Pringles can. He came up with the shape of the Pringle chip or the wafer as yeah. well as the can. You know what? I think this question, to be totally honest, I think someone asked me this quite recently. Oh... And it may have traveled since you put it in your thing. Also, uh, the uh, what is it? Parabolic hyperboloid, is it? Hyperbolic paraboloid. Oh, it's the other way around. I think that is quite a famous story, but I didn't know yeah. the other bits of it. But someone did ask me this question quite recently and I went under the rabbit hole. <laughs> and that is where I came to know that this person had uh, his, one of his uh, last uh, wishes was that he be, as you said, his remains be put in a Pringle scan. And I think... His kids were not sure which can he would have wanted, yeah. which flavored can, but then they went with the original, I think. Exactly. They picked the classic one because they're like, that's the one that he invented. His daughter actually said that they'll do it. Well done. And on that note, if you enjoyed today's episode, do remember that you can contribute to help this podcast grow. 
all you have to do is get on to instamojo.com slash at the rate studio 41 or paypal.me slash studio 41 pod and contribute whatever amount you like the links are in the description but there is one tiny thing that is still left to be done and that is the audience question so yogesh what you have to do is ask one question to our audience members and these audience members what they can do is they can listen to the question and if they think they know the answer to the question or they have a educated guest they can get in touch with us over social media and tell us what they think is the answer and uh, how they get in touch with us is uh, over facebook or instagram we are at at the rate quiz time india or they can also get in touch with us on uh, social media which is our studio 41 account so facebook instagram twitter at the rate podcast studio 41 also now on clubhouse so clubhouse is open for everyone so they can also clubhouse has dm functionality so you guys can also dm at the rate studio 41 on clubhouse so yogesh over to you please tell us what is the audience question right so i'm going to talk about a crowd favorite here and it's a relatively simple question so expect lots of replies coming so Ponamu, P-O-U-N-A-M-U, are several types of hard and durable stones which are found in New Zealand mainly. So geologically, they're made of nephrite jade and are green in color. Okay, so they play an important role in the local culture and they're carved basically into blades called adze, which are made for carving wood, or chisels, which are called wow, W-H-A-O, or pendants or amulets called haitiki or fishing hooks called matao and many many other tools similar to that. My question is, which Oscar-nominated movie had a Ponamu amulet at the heart of its story? Which Oscar-nominated movie had this Ponamu amulet at the heart of its story? Alright, so as I mentioned earlier, you can send the answers over social media and we will pick one person who had given the correct answer. So, Yogesh, thank you so much for this. Thank you so much for uh, joining me on the podcast I had uh, last. And uh, thank you so much. Before you go, please tell us how can we follow your quizzes? How can the audience get in touch? And where do you quiz usually? And basically all that stuff. Thank you so much for having me, Aditya. It's an absolute pleasure and I absolutely loved the questions and this banter and the trivia that followed. It was, it was a lot of fun. So I run a quiz called Quiz Pro Quo. You can follow us on Instagram at that's at Quiz Pro Quo. Uh, we're also on Facebook, but not as active out there. Uh, so yeah, just follow us there, and uh, you can find us there. You can follow me personally. Uh, my Instagram handle is Yoto Uno, but I'm not really a very active person there. <laughs> Thank you again, Aditya. This was so much fun, and I'm so happy that you're doing this. And good luck with Quiz Time India. Hopefully, you do wonders and really really happy that you're spreading the word of quizzing so far and so wide let's hope we get to do this more often absolutely all right that brings us to the end of the episode the podcast was hosted and produced by me aditya and the questions were researched and said by anisha keshav rishab madhavan vinayak and ananda this episode was edited by pranjal gupta major credit to them all remember You as an audience can support us by contributing to the podcast. You can donate to keep the show running. You can go to www.instamojo.com slash 
एट द रेट स्टूडियो फॉर वन और यू कैन गो टू डब्ल्यू 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 डॉट पे पैल डॉट मी स्लैश स्टूडियो फॉर वन पॉड कॉन्ट्रीब्यूट वॉट एवर अमाउंट यू लाइक नो अमाउंट इज लेस एंड एवरी पेनी काउंट द लिंक्स आर इन द डिस्क्रिप्शन एंड इफ इन केस यू कैन नॉट डोनेट बट यू वॉन्ट टू हेल्प आउट यू कैन डेफिनेटली शेयर दिस पॉडकास्ट विद योर फ्रेंड्स एंड फैमिली पुर इट अप ऑन सोशल मीडिया दैट बी अ बिग हेल्प दैट विल बी ऑल फॉर टूडे Thank you for your time. You can thank me for mine. Goodbye.